we've been going through a series titled Summer Playlist. This series is a study through the songbook, or the Psalms. And we've studied a number of topics and themes in this book, some of which were like Psalm 71, a psalm of lament. Others, like Psalm 1, is a psalm of wisdom. And we've also studied psalms of thanksgiving, like Psalm 103. And today, what I want to do with you is I want to study Psalm 67, my personal favorite, a psalm of praise in the form of a prayer. And so before we get into that, I want to pray over our time together. So if you could, bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me. Father God, I pray that you would bless our time together. Father, that your face would shine upon us and then you would open our hearts to receive your word. Father, mold us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So I don't know if you have a friend or a family member like this, but I have a coworker who is always talking about Christmas. Whether it's the summer, fall, the spring, she's always excited about the Christmas season. She has a, a background on her phone, and it's a countdown to Christmas, and she starts it the day after Christmas, 364 days. And she's so excited for the season, and I'm not much like that, but there is one aspect of Christmas that I really enjoy, and that is the candlelight service. If you don't know what that is, a candlelight service is uh, Christmas Eve, Christians gather together and we hear a message about the coming of Christ, the light into the world. And we illustrate that truth with candles. Everyone receives a candle, and at the end of the service, uh, the minister or the pastor will light a candle, and then he'll go up uh, to the congregation and, and light one or two of the candles. And then those people will go and light other people's candles, and the torch and the, the flame is passed on. And it's such a beautiful picture because a flame, the fa like the fathers in the congregation are passing the flame to their sons and mothers passing it to their daughters, and you see children scurrying around because they see their, their neighbors don't have this flame. And so they run across the aisle and they'll pass on that flame to the next person. And it's such a, a, a magnificent illustration because what was once a dark room with no light slowly and progressively becomes more and more illuminated until everybody has a lit candle. And what I want to do today is to study a psalm, Psalm 67, and it's a psalm that has that same attitude, has that same theme of the gospel spreading throughout the world and the light of the gospel spreading into the nations. And so if you would, open up to Psalm 67 and let's read it and we'll dive right in. It reads like this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth and your saving power amongst the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. 
Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the nations with equity, and you guide the peoples upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, and God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now what I want to first point out is this. This psalm is a chiastic psalm. A chiastic psalm um, is created by a psalmist who desires to use a literary device called a chiasm to help emphasize or even point out relationships between uh, verses. And so what we see here is verse 1 and verse 7 have a relationship. God's, God is gracious and blesses us, and his face shines upon us. And this results in the ends of the earth fearing him. Likewise, verses 2 and 6, God's way is known upon the earth, and it results in the earth yielding an increase or a harvest. 3 and 5, it's obvious, it's obvious here, they are parallels. They're the exact same phrase. And what that does is it frames verse 4, which is the main thrust and the main idea of this entire psalm, which is that the nations have something to be glad and joyful about. And that is the reign and the, the justice of our king, our God. And so I think there are three questions that Christians must answer if the nations are to encounter God's blessing. Three questions we must answer for the nations to encounter God's blessing. The first one is this. Are we seeking to encounter God or are we hiding our faces? Verse 1 goes like this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. And for those of you who have been in the church uh, for a while, this might sound familiar. You might recognize this. And this is a condensed version of the benediction found in Numbers 6. And let me read that for you here. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and all his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel, and you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Now, Moses, at this time, I imagine is a little concerned about this benediction. And you might say like, oh, that sounds fine. It's actually quite beautiful and poetic. But there's something about this benediction and something about the beginning of our psalm that's actually quite concerning and quite problematic. And this is the portion. The Lord make his face shine upon you. You see, Moses was a man who has experienced God in so many ways during his life, whether it was the burning bush where God first encountered him, or it was the plagues that he brought upon Egypt, 
Or maybe the times that he would climb Mount Sinai and be in the presence of the Lord. Moses had experienced much of his presence. But you see, one time, Moses asked uh, the Lord and asked him, Lord, I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. And the Lord said, no. Instead, I will put you in the cleft of a mountain. I will put my hand over you, and I will pass by you and declare my name, and then I will take my hand away, and you can look at my backside. This this seems strange, but the Lord uh, explains this to Moses. He says, anyone who sees my face shall not live. Any man who sees my face, he will not live. And this may seem a little strange to us, and it may seem odd that we can't see the face of God, but throughout Scripture, that is the story. You see, starting in the garden, we lost the ability to see the face of God. And the reason why is because the, the face is a very intimate thing. If you've ever been to a dinner party or been around a table or in a group of people, there is an essence in which you are with those people, in the presence of those people, um, but it's not very intimate. But if someone is talking and they turn their face and they look at you, and you're face to face with them, there's this intimacy. There's this private intimacy happening between you and the other person. And the reason why this is so problematic is because being in the presence of God, one who is holy and righteous and just, for a sinner, is perilous. Because it is like newspaper being next to a raging fire. To be in the presence of the Lord as a sinner, as someone who has sinned and fallen, is quite dangerous because his holiness and his righteousness and his justice would burn us up because we are sinners. And so what we need is for something or someone to scrub us clean, to wash us clean of our sin and to give us a new identity. Because if not, the face of God is not a privilege, but is actually very problematic. And you see, this is why, in the book of Numbers, Moses is telling Aaron to do this, to tell the priest to do this, after the tabernacle service. During the tabernacle service, an animal would be slain and would be killed. And as the biblical language would put it, the blood would atone or cover up our sin. It would wash us and make us clean. And this benediction would be God's way of putting a new name on us. In the New Testament, after Christ came and lived a perfect life and died for us, we see now that Christ is the final sacrifice, and he washed us clean of our sins and gave us a new name and a new identity. And now the shining face of God is not problematic, but now is a privilege. And so here's the question, 
church, are, are we seeking that privilege? Are we seeking an encounter with God? Seeking God's grace and seeking his blessing and seeking his shining face. This comes in a number of ways, but there's two ways, two main ways in which we encounter God. The first one is prayer. The book of Hebrews says that prayer is when we come before the throne of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We can boldly become, come to him and we have a face-to-face conversation with him. And we are able to ask him for our needs, but also spend time with this king and with this God of ours. And we get to seek his face through prayer. The second is through studying the word, something we're doing right now. When we study the word of God, we are actually seeking God's face. When we study the New Testament, we get to see who God is in the face of Jesus Christ. And the study of the word is to seek his face. And so are we seeking that encounter with God? Moses, in many of his um, encounters with God, uh, in one occasion, he went up on Mount Sinai into the presence of the Lord where the Lord came down and he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of the Lord. 40 days and 40 nights. And during that time, he spent very intimate time in the near presence of the Lord and the Lord gave him the law, gave him the law, a way that we get to know what God's desires are and who he is in his character. Moses knew the Lord. And it says that when he came down from the mountain, he was carrying two tablets of stone. And the scriptures tell us that his face was radiating. His face was radiating light out of his, uh, his body. And the people were afraid, and, and they didn't know what to think. And Moses had to put a veil on his face But nobody could look at him and say, you have not had an encounter with God. Because his life, his his very being was so transformed. And so are we seeking to encounter God in a way which we are transformed like that? Because if we do, what we're going to find is that people are going to look at us and see and know who God is. Which brings us to our second question. Does our example or our life reap praise for God or praise for man? Look with me at verses 2 through 4. God bless us, starting in verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth and your saving power amongst the nations. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Notice this, that when we receive a blessing and we, we receive his shining face and we encounter the living God, he, the reason why is that so his way may be known. The ultimate goal of our encounter is so that other people know who God is. And there's three things in which 
God wants the nations to know about him. The first is his saving power. His saving power and his ability to save us from crisis and our sin and death. Second is his justice, his ability to judge between good and evil, not with any bias, not with any uh, bribery, but to judge objectively. And lastly, God's unshakable and victorious reign. These are the attributes of God that we put on display in the world by the way that we live and the way that we talk. When there was one time I was uh, scrolling through Facebook, and one of those, you know, popular BuzzFeed quizzes popped up. And this one wasn't, you know, you know, what kind of cheese are you, or, you know, if you were a squid, what would your life be like? But this one was about, what do you post about the most on Facebook? And so what this quiz was is Facebook would analyze all your posts from, um, from the beginning that you joined all the way to today, and it would count up all of the words, and it would show with you on this really colorful uh, chart what you talked about, what you researched, what you did the most, what did you display the most on your Facebook. And so I remember I took this quiz, and as a Christian, I was so excited. I was like, how much do I talk about God and Christ and salvation? And I actually found that I was quite disappointed with my results. It had seemed that I didn't talk about God as much as I would talk about other topics or other people. And so the question is, Christians, if, if we were to put our lives and our deeds into this quiz, would we be able to say that God's reign and God's saving power and God's justice would be displayed by our lives, would be the conversation that we have the most, the topic we talk about the most. There's an interesting thing about these three attributes. God's saving power and judgment and, and his ability to judge well and his stable reign, these are all things that the world is desperately looking for. And we're always looking for people that fit these characteristics so that we can exalt them so that they can lead us Every four years, we encounter another situation where we're trying to find someone who has a stable reign, who's able to judge well, who is able to save us from crisis. And so my question is, are we, during these times, exalting God as this person, or are we dedicating ourselves to other men, parties, and ideas? instead of the kingdom of God. We are meant to encounter God so that we will display these beautiful attributes to the world because the peoples of the world will never encounter God and his saving power if they don't know anything about him. God did not intend for us to encounter him and for the blessing to end with us. Right, this psalm, Psalm 67, was sung by Israel, and they looked forward to a day when, the, when God's goodness would break out from Israel into the world, and we've now received that blessing. But like Israel, we, the church, look forward to a day when it would break out even further into the nations, and that the nations would rejoice and be glad 
at who God is. And that blessing would go from us into the nations. And this brings us to our last question. Are we keeping the harvest in mind when we sow our blessings? Or are we paralyzed with fear and uncertainty? Look with me at verses 5 through 7. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. You see, Christians have been given a very interesting luxury that sometimes goes overlooked, which is we get to know what the end is. We know what the end is. And the end is this, that all nations, tribes, and tongues will bow before Christ and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. And from Jesus' ministry, when he came and afterwards, after he rose from the dead, said, go forth into all creation, preaching the gospel, baptizing and discipling and teaching everything that I've commanded you. That's our point A. And he's revealed to us our point B, our goal at the end, which is that all nations will proclaim him as king and as Lord. And so the question is, are we keeping that in mind? When I went camping as a kid, one of my favorite games was called something called like, uh, I think it was star tripping. And star tripping is when your friends would gather around you and you would look up into the night sky with everything dark around you and you would pick a star and you would spin around as fast as you can about 20 times. And then after that 20 times, you would, you would look down from the sky and someone would shine a flashlight in your face about 10 yards away. And in the darkness and with all these people screaming around you and with your equilibrium totally off, your goal was to run as fast as you can towards the light without stumbling and falling. And what I notice is that the people that succeeded at this game were the ones that kept their eyes on the light. Even though they couldn't see around them because of the darkness and the obstacles in their way were, were sort of unknown, and with the people yelling around them, those who kept their eyes on the light and ran towards it with all fervor were the ones that succeeded. They weren't the ones that stumbled over. And let me tell you, Christians, we are in a time that we are very disoriented. It's not often that our world goes through a pandemic and our governments ask us, the churches, to close our doors for the safety of others. And all this tumult and, and, and problem that, problems that's going around in the world, it's very disorienting. And so our, our goal and our purpose, and the only thing that's going to save us through these troubling times, is to keep our eyes on the end goal. And without fear, and without uncertainty, continue to sow our blessings. What does this look like? For some, this looks like financial blessing. It looks like financial sowing. Taking the resources that God has blessed you with and sowing it in the ministries of the church and then uh, in those who are going out into missions who are going out and preaching the gospel and, and giving with the harvest in mind, knowing that one day the nations will rejoice 
in the Lord and giving towards that ministry. For others, it looks like giving your time and investing in the ministries of the church. Student ministries is a great example. Coming and investing your time and sowing your intention and sowing your, your attention to these, these children who need the gospel and doing it with the harvest in mind. For others, it looks like discipling your children, whether you're a parent or an older sibling or someone who has wisdom, picking someone up and discipling them and sowing the seeds of the gospel into their lives with the harvest in mind. And for all of us, it's preaching the gospel fearlessly and victoriously to the world. Even though some may reject us, we keep sowing those seeds, sowing those seeds, knowing that God will give growth to those. I want to bring us back to the first illustration that I was bringing up, the candlelight service. About two years ago, my brother and I went to a small church that was down the road to attend a candlelight service on Christmas Eve. And we were, to, as typical, late, and we, we went to the back and we received our candles, and it was a, a very lovely service. And the minister lit the candle and, and began that candlelight part of the service. And he passed on the flames to a few people. But they did something that I found was absolutely fascinating. When someone would receive the flame, they would lean down and open up their hymnal, and they would begin singing. And, and fathers, while they were singing, would pass the flame to their sons, who then would open up their hymnal and sing and mothers to their daughters, and children to their neighbors, and neighbors to their neighbors. And slowly but surely, this dark and silent room started to grow. The light began to grow. And the sound of God's pr of praise for God began to grow louder and louder until it came to me and my brother, and we received the flame, and we picked up the hymnal, and we joined them in the song of praises to our Lord. And when I read Psalm 67, that's what I read. That's what I see. We sing this song with the anticipation that one day the nations will join us in this song. And then they are asking for the blessing. They're asking for God's face to, face to shine upon them. And then they also become a missional and go out to preach the gospel. And church, this only happens if first we seek an encounter with God, seeking his blessing and his grace and his shining face. And then this happens by when we exemplify our God and we uh, exemplify him in our life. And people know who God is by the way that we live and his reign and his saving power and his justice are known through us and by the way that we live. And we do this by keeping the harvest in mind. Not with fear and uncertainty, but knowing that God will fulfill his promise by blessing the nations. And we look forward to that. And so Christians, do we desire that? Do we desire the nations to join us in singing this psalm.